Hey everyone, welcome to the Next Gen Marine and Outdoors podcast, where we talk fishing, hunting, the marine industry, and the outdoors. I'm Lane Runyon. Let's get on with the show. All right, guys, episode two. I'm here with Brock from my YouTube uh, videos. So he's sitting here with us today. Brock just got a 18 CCJ G3. So today we're all talking about G3 boats. Um, stay with us. Here we go. All right, so G3 boats, the jet boats anyway, is what we're going to talk about. So to start, the biggest difference between the 20cc.j and the 18cc.j is brakes. Oh, big time. <laughs> we found that out this weekend. So why don't you tell them what happened, Brock? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, we were just out duck hunting, and we were moving spots. You know, Lane was spotting me as we were going up, and we went up, got decoys set, threw them out all that and then we went back down we got planes like oh yeah let's just you know get on plane and let's just shoot for this spot we get going and we're on plane and i'm listening to him and he's like all right cut the engine and trim as you're going i cut it and we trim and we just stayed on plane we didn't hit the we didn't stop where we were <laughs> and glide into where we were we were full on on the island. On the island, <laughs> three quarters of the boat on land. It was a fun one to try and push that thing out. Luckily, it was an 18 out of the 20. It lighter, easier to push around on when you beach it. But yes, yeah, so the 18 CCJ weighs about 800 pounds, and uh, so it was very good. It wasn't mine because my boat is very heavy, especially with the 150 105 motor that weighs 600 pounds in the back. We, you know, three of us were able to pick up the back of the boat and slide it off. <laughs> it wasn't a huge deal, but it was hilarious. Oh, man. <sighs> so, what would you say the biggest difference between the 18 and the 20 is? Uh, boat-wise or, like, performance motor going up? Oh, but, but boat-wise. We'll start with that. All of it. Uh, you know, the 18, it's got a faster hole shot. Mm-hmm. You know, and Saturday, as we were going up, were you full till? No, I was going like just three quarter throttle. Cold? Yeah, cold. Oh, okay. Because I was full till. Yeah, I was trying to race, and I was like, "Am I leaving him?" Yeah, that I was, was kind of letting you just kind of be right there, but yeah, I was going probably three quarter throttle. Oh, so okay. I still got like the twenty cc J has probably about two three mile an hour on the eighteen. It's not a ton. The one fifteen eighty motor definitely has faster hole shot. It winds up a lot quicker than the one hundred five does. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had my choice, and they're not rated for this, so you can't get it from the factory, and I'm not going to tell you how you can get it, but I'd have a 200 on the back of that 20 just for the extra push power and the bigger jet pump. The 105 is really maxed out at our altitude, and if you look at like the RPM range and everything, you're really not even getting 105 horsepower. You don't get 105 horsepower until 5,500 RPM, and I only get up to about 4,900. So you got to think I'm only doing about... 90 horsepower behind my boat i just move a lot more water with the size of the pump and that's the only reason i have the speed advantage yep. um 18 two seconds to plane maybe yeah, two two and a half three yeah and, and the, that's and then, if you're with your gear you know yeah you know, and upstream so. also that's going upstream downstream you always add a second or two um the 20 we're sitting probably five seconds to get on plane upstream and probably six seven downstream mm-hmm. just takes yeah. longer to wind up Yep. Um, the 20 has a six degree V it's based on their 20 bay boat and they basically modify it to have a tunnel and you know go on the water that way they say general use is you know you're, you're four to six inches of water 
Um, I can attest, and Brock can, because he's been with me a lot, two inches of water is doable. Oh, yeah. um, you're full throttle, you're sucking pebbles, you're hitting the bottom, but it will keep moving. Mm -hmm. So you can get into those shallower areas still. The 18 is a true flat bottom with that 80, and I mean, one inch of water, you're oh, still yeah. not touching. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you could draft, I mean, what were we drafting, four inches and not touching the bottom when we were in that stream coming down. Yep. Yeah. So as far as the shallow water capability boat, if you're like in small feeder streams and everything, the 18 is going to be a much better choice than the 20. Um, the 20 does have more rod storage and stuff under the decks. Yeah. Um, I liken it to fishing more like an aluminum bass boat than a jet boat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which more lays out of the way the boat fishes, the width of the boat. It's just a lot better for that. So if you do like a lot of smallmouth in the river fishing with trolling motors, that may be the boat for you if you want to just get that little bit of you know shallow water. I know Ot Defoe runs his tracker jet and does a lot of that back east. So the 20 could definitely be a good option for you back there. Uh, yeah, the 20 over my over my 18, it, I would totally pick the 20 for storage-wise. Mm -hmm. Yours has double the storage of what mine is. So let's talk about the 17, since neither one of us have one, but we drove one. What would we be the drove what, one? I've been fishing on one once. Okay, so what what would you say the purpose of a 17 is? Is there really one? Because if you ask me, cost, just the cost, getting that lower horsepower motor and it, getting it. Yeah, in my opinion, it comes down to cost because you got a. It's a foot shorter than the 18, mm. so you're losing weight there. You the lose lighter boat, a little bit lighter boat. You lose the jump seats in the back. You lose jump seats. You still have a live well and a cooler. Yep, you have the center live well cooler, but it, in my opinion, it's it. I feel like G three. It's down to a cost. The cost difference because you, you get can, a ninety sixty five motor, and that's going to save you probably three grand on a boat purchase. Exactly, but you can. We have done it. We, you can do it up to a one fifteen eighty. Yeah, people do but stuff personally. Do if you're it, yeah. if you don't have laws. Um, you know, Coast Guard rating that that's boat that's usually used for boat certification stuff. Um, there's lots of guys that do things, and you know they'll buy a boat and then they'll buy a Yamaha from us, who's a Yamaha dealer, and then they put it on the boat, and it's kind of whatever. Yep. That's what they do personally. That's what they do personally. So there is there is bigger horsepower motors running out there, and you can really push a boat. But yeah, I'd say with the 18, with the jump seats, and a little bit more storage you get up front, it's worth it. Yeah, and the extra horsepower. I mean, do, you're, if you're talking about a three thousand dollar difference, it might even be a little bit less than that. If I looked again, you're you're not really. I I, I just don't see the place of seventeen. The argument for well, you, you know, a skinny river boat, that eighteen is like a go kart. Oh yeah, the, I mean, the eighteen, just because the eighteen has got way more. You know, you get more room. You got the jump seats. You get extra uh -huh. seats, but yeah, you're still gonna be able to go the same places that that 17 went yeah we we've had we've had guys that, well let's just know, say our customer you know we won't say any names or anything but like our customer that had the 1656 right or yeah, 52 that's what I was going into. yeah that's what i was going into so uh, he went from he was he had a 1656 and he wanted to come and get a 18 but he wanted to go on a demo with it to make sure it was gonna go where he could put his 16 and when he did when he found out he could do that He's like, well, yeah, why not? Let's go to an 18. Yeah, and that guy rips oh, the small feeder streams. We might actually have to have him on here at some point and have him come talk because I'm pretty cool to hear oh, him man. talk. That will be an expletive episode, I'm sure, but <laughs> but a good one to say the least. Oh, dude, he was, yeah, that would be a good one to have him on there. So, and then load carrying capability. The 17 is dog crap. 
I mean, really it is. The number one complaint we get from customers on the 17, at least on my end on the sales side, um, Brock's on the service side, just so you guys know. So I'm on, I'm on the sales side, I'm the sales manager ultramarine, which I've said before, Brock's a service technician. So we see kind of both angles on these things um, with the Yamahas and everything, because he works on them and then I sell them. With the 17, the number one complaint I get is guys buy them, they try to put four big dudes to go duck hunting and all their gear in the boat, and it will not get on plane. I mean, it just does. That 9065 does not have the oomph to do it. Mm -hmm. um, the 18, the 11580, that is, the 115.80 is the staple jet motor of the outboard world. I mean, you'll see more 11580s on anything. I mean, you see it with the Gator tracks, you see it with the Prodigies and the G3s and everything. That 80 is the top selling motor. And there's a reason for it. It's snappy. I mean, there's no reason that Brock and I couldn't be in that boat and throw two deer in there. Oh, no. And it wouldn't get on plane. Mm -hmm. um, the advantage to the 20 is with that 105, even though it's slower hole shot, I can have five people in the boat, full of gear, coolers, everything completely full. And that boat, even though it's slower, it'll still get on plane and go. I mean, that, that's, mm -hmm. that's what you're getting with the 20 is load carrying capability. Yep, you know, I threw two deer on the front deck on opening day with my wife and I, and there was physically no change. In fact, it drove better having the two deer on the front deck because you got the nose down a little bit more. Yeah, you got some more nose weight. How many boats have you seen where guys have added pods and stuff? I've only seen one, and that was on an 18cct. Yeah, and that was with a prop. And that, that was a prop, and I, from seeing it, and it didn't perform like I would have thought. Yeah. So the 18cct is the tunnel prop boat. Um, we won't talk too much about it because this is going to be about jet boats, but um, I drove one also, and that boat... I don't know how it does at lower altitude when G3 is testing it, but I can tell you up here it is not a good boat. It cavitates super bad the way it's set up as it comes. It just it does, doesn't perform very well. you got to slow down super slow in a turn, and it'll still cavitate going around the turn. You'll almost fall off the plane. It didn't do great. And uh, so I wasn't quite impressed with it. You could do things like I probably wouldn't add pods to any of these boats. I would do like Bennett trim tabs or something. Yeah. Um, if you were going to do that, I think that the 18 CCT really just needs a jack plate. I mean, you need like four inches of setback. You can get the prop up a little higher and the more of the clean water wash, and that's that would cure the problem. So Jay and I have actually been talking about that here, and Jay's the owner of Ultramarine. We we'll probably have them on at some point here too. It'd be kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, so we were talking about doing a jack plate and stuff, and we might report back to you guys on that if you're looking for a prop option for a tunnel. Um, Jet boats are just dogs. I mean, to be to be honest, the outboard jet world, the the horsepower loss, the torque loss you get with those jets, they're a necessity when you're running these rocky rivers in the West. I mean, you're not gonna, you can't get around it. I mean, but they are dogs compared to a prop. They just cannot put power to the water efficiently. No. <laughs> I mean, for their time when they came out, they worked. Yeah, and they they still work today, and they yeah, work today because there's work. there's no other options. Yeah. They, they, but you talk about a company, so like Brock knows of this experience with me when I got mine is, you know, I saw this RPM deal and with props, when you come from the prop world and I, coming from bass, I really knew how to prop boats and jack plate boats and get them to perform. So I called outboard jets. I'm like, hey, I'm only turning, you know, 4,800 RPM, 4,900 RPM, you know, so I'm making 90 horsepower. How can I get the RPM up to, to get to this? Do you have a high altitude impeller option that we can get the RPMs up? And the long answer, after days and days of fussing, a lot of days of fussing, yep. was basically this is as good as it gets. The only way to increase these boats is to put more horsepower on them because if you increase the RPMs, you're just blowing out the pump and it can't support the water pressure anyway. Yep. On your 20, all they pretty much said was go to 200. Yeah, put a 200 on it. That's yep. exactly what they said. And it's unfortunate because 
I think that the only reason that they're in a place to say something like that is they have zero competition. There's one company in the entire world that makes these things, and it's Alfred just out of California. And my experience with them, the customer service was they're cocky and not really they're, – they're just short, simple answers. not really willing to talk it out with you, explain anything. They're just like, this is the way it works. We've done it forever. That's how it is. And so something I'd like to see change in the jet world is, is that. I mean, really. I mean, there's a little bit of competition – would be nice. Would definitely benefit the world of jet boats. I mean, because they're just they're just absolute dogs. Um, and necessity, yes, so you can get in shallow water and everything. But the performance of them, not great. And this isn't a knock on G three. This is just the way Alpha jets are. I mean, they just you, there's no way to get them to perform better than what you got. Um, if you have a boat with the porpoises and stuff, that can all be addressed with a boat. I mean, a lot of times uh, these these companies will get back into why G three is really good. A lot of these outboard jet builders, they don't know how to build jet boats. And so they build these prop boats with a jet tunnel and they porpoise like hell. And you gotta get weight up in the front for one and get the bow down. But these G3s, when they come from the factory, they're set up. Oh yeah. I don't, not, I don't think there's been one where we've had any single issue with tunnel height or anything. I mean, oh, they oh. have it down. As far as production jet boats, I would say the G3 is the best I've come across. And since I started selling them, I have investigated, investigated, investigated. And I have not found anything that can that, that tops them in the production market. The one knock I have for G3 is they make a great boat for the east, shallow rivers with not a lot of big boulders and stuff like that. Um, but their hulls are thin. I mean, they're a hundred thousand thin, thin, thin hull mm-hmm. um, versus you know like a one two five or a one sixty. I'd really love to see a one sixty center console jet. That would be money i mean you guys already know if you've watched my youtube stuff that uh, there's quite a big dent in my boat and there ended up being a little bit of a crack that we worked on and it's not leaking anymore and um of course we have the wetlander deal coming out so we'll have that done eventually we're still working on a couple things to get the wetlander done uh brock needs to get a stud gun which is taking forever trying to pull a dent <laughs> try to pull a dent out but we're gonna pull the dent out as much as we can and then we'll weld up that crack a little bit more make sure that's all sealed and then we'll wetlander over it and that's actually the whole reason I didn't take my boat up in that feeder stream that you ran your boat on shore with. Because if I would go up in that and drop my boat down, even if I landed in the stream, my boat would be on the bottom. And yeah, we know from experience, we drop down and we get to two, three inches of water with the boat down off plane. And that thing is stuck. I mean, Brock and I oh, had yeah. a push for probably 30 minutes one day to get the boat off. Oh, no, that was coming, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, was going to come down the, coming down the other river up here. Uh-huh. And uh, it was, you know, it's one of the shallower rivers we have over here. And yeah, we had to push it off, and that wetlander was slicking up the bottom of that wouldn't be. Oh, it'd be. Better. We'd basically park it on shore and be able to push it off. I mean, that stuff, everything that we've looked at, and the drip boats that have it and everything, I mean, it is slicker than snot. It's like putting butter on bread. Yep. Or butter on anything. It's just going to make it so so much more slick. All yep. those rocks will just be able to, you'll just slide right over them. And pretty much just drop it anywhere, and they. From what I've investigated, there's been claims of performance increases, so we'll see what happens with speed and everything. Mm-hmm. It does make sense because you're re- removing restriction off the bottom of the boat. You know, any restriction you can remove, um, and especially as your hull wears and stuff, you're going through pebble rock and stuff, all the chips and stuff, that's going to grab water and slow you down. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this adds a little bit of extra sturdiness to the bottom of your boat. Yep. That was a little bit more of a cushion on the bottom. And then so let's talk about impellers, impeller-wise. The 20CCJ, the Yamaha 150-105 comes with a stainless impeller from the yes. factory. Yes. The 115-80, your boat, comes with aluminum. Aluminum. And what do you see on the service side 
that makes one better than the other? Just from running them recently, uh, aluminum, just you, you suck up any rocks and you're going to be sharpening your impeller sooner. So it just wears yeah. faster. Oh, yeah. In my opinion, I see aluminum wearing a lot faster. Yeah. It's always, there's always, there's, there's, there's customers that I've seen that have come in and, you know, my boat's not performing like it used to. Something's up. We need to, so, and it's like, well, have you sucked up any rocks? How's the impeller look? Oh no, I've never done any of that. I've never done any of that. <laughs> and we've lifted up and look at the impeller and enough said and it's all dinged up and it's all cuff cupped in and all that. So we're right back to sharpening impeller and then they're like, huh, that is so much better. And, and, and making sure you have a sharp impeller on these jets is the, one of the biggest things. That way you can actually cut through the water and make sure you're pumping it the yeah. best. So is a stainless impeller worth the upgrade on it on an 80? In my opinion, yes, on the wear side of it, but I have not ran one myself. And we, we, know, we know of a customer that runs a stainless and he swears by it, right? Yes. I mean, he, he really swears, swears by yeah, it. Swears by it. And it's the same customer that runs up the feeder streams and everything. And he's up, he's going on all these tributaries and stuff. I mean, he's running this boat in an inch of water. Let's just be honest. He runs his boat in an inch of water up ripples and goes all over the place. Might have to get him to send us some video that we can post so you guys can see it. He's it's absolutely insane what he runs his boat through. Yeah, it's all impressive what he does with his boat. He puts his boat in places that you'd look and go, "What, really?" It's just nuts. Yeah. So talking about like running in shallow water, there's well, let's stick with impellers for a second. Okay. So it, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's three components to the impeller system, the pump system in there. You have your impeller, your liner, and the spacers. Mm -hmm. And all these yeah. things need to be in the proper place for your boat for your jet boat to perform and suck water properly so yeah. what's the tolerance for the impeller to the liner 30,000 30,000 that's what uh outboard jets want so okay 30,000 tolerance between your impeller and your liner so basically if that gets out of whack which is usually from running rock or even sand will wear your liner so your liner is still aluminum if you have a stainless steel impeller which is good because then you have that wear part protecting your stainless steel impeller you rather trust me you rather a liner go than an impeller the liners are much cheaper I've never replaced one, so I'm not 100%. Yeah, when I looked I it up, they, they were cheaper. Yeah. I don't remember the price. I'm not going to quote the price, but it was much cheaper than impeller. Impeller's going to cost you, a stainless impeller's going to cost you upwards of six, seven hundred dollars Yeah, something yeah, like Five that. to seven hundred, depending on which model and everything for a stainless. Yeah. An aluminum's going to cost you in the threes. A liner is not even 300 bucks. I think it's like 150 Yeah, ish. something like that. 150 160 I think that's right around there. Prices could have gone up because of everything going up. Um, so that's kind of your impeller. So that's kind of your impeller system. So as your impeller wears, your liner wears, you can use, move those spacers to keep that gap, yep. and then eventually with aluminum impeller, you'll have to replace your impeller. Stainless, you're gonna get away with sharpening it for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. um, you're, when you when it comes down to refacing your impeller, sharpening whatever, um, you're taking less metal away because the, the dings that you get in your stainless mm -hmm. isn't gonna be as deep because it's not as soft of a metal and a rock hitting it and it's right. not going to put as much of a ding so you're taking away less metal when you're sharpening because what you're, you're what you're really doing is you're just sanding down your metal faces to keep making sure they're straight and right going to be able to cut the water and suck it up into the impeller the pump and propel it better yeah so if you you run one of these jet boats and you're having performance issues the first thing you check is your impeller uh, we had that one customer come in that said that was complaining. He one that had a steering problem too, and he said my boat doesn't perform very well either. And we asked about the impeller, and it was the same story. No, 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 no. My impeller's good. I mean, there was what a 
dime-sized chip, like a half of a dime chip yep. out of one of his uh, blades on his impeller. Yep. Like, hey, we can sharpen this for you. It's probably not quite half a dime, quarter of a dime. You know, it's enough that we could sharpen it and get it back to true. And he didn't want to pay the 120 bucks or whatever it is yeah, I to, to sharpen. It's about a half-hour labor, um, plus, you know, materials and stuff to do, like, you know, our tool wear and everything. There's all these charges with dealers. And you guys don't know how dealers work. We have to charge for work. So that's how dealers work. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's like 100-something bucks. He didn't want to pay it, so his boat's not going to perform very well. And it'll get worse as he goes. The boat will cavitate more. And as you get more cavitation, your impeller wears also. It actually will burn your impeller. It's very interesting on how cavitation can wear things. And it happens on props, too. I've seen it taking paint off props because it burns them so bad. Yeah. And, so, and when you're doing aluminum, I've seen uh, pits, pitting, yeah. pitting, pitting in your, in, uh, your metal impeller. So, yeah, it's... So yeah, no, it's, you, it's if crazy. you got cavitation, you definitely want to address it. Whether, whether it's coming from the impeller or not, you need to find the cavitation and fix it because it will cause problems. Oh, it's yeah. not something that to take lightly. Oh, no, yeah. So running shallow rivers. And the let me touch base on this oh, one yeah. real quick. This <laughs> is one of the biggest things that I have been seeing in the service side. There's people that have, you know, they say... My motor just quit, like it stopped pumping water and I had no go, so I trimmed up the motor and I looked I had a bunch of moss in it plugging off my impeller so what I did is I you know they, I pull off the the jet foot and the liner so that I can clean out the foot and all that and see clean out anything that has gone up to the impeller well on the installing the liner and the foot back onto the jet foot itself they put the jet foot the pickup backwards putting it on backwards all that'll do is just cause you cavitation yeah i mean it's you not facing not the right be, direction yeah it's not facing the right direction so water's not being forced up into it as you're going so you're not picking up any water and all you're going to do is just sit there and cavitate yep just always watch for which way your impeller your jet foot is facing yeah always make sure it's facing towards the boat so to paint you guys a picture because this is audio on yeah. what on what component you're talking about being the foot so you kind of have two components to your to your jet pump. You have your housing and pump, which is the top section, and then you have your pickup where the grate is and your your, your foot on the bottom. And that's held on by eight bolts or six? I think it's eight. I'm pretty sure it's eight. Yeah. So eight bolt, eight nuts basically are holding that up with lock with the lock, their locking nuts, and so that's what holds that on. And you can suck things up in there. Sometimes you take it off and pull it out. Your impeller is actually attached to the shaft, just like your lower unit on your regular motor would be. Um, so basically the foot is the bottom part and sometimes you get stuff stuck in there and you got to pull it off. And when you pull it off, you need to make sure you put it on the, it is directional and you can see what direction it can. If you're paying attention, but if you're not paying attention, I see it a lot in pictures and stuff. People put their foot on backwards and your boat's not going to run doing that. Uh -huh. and if you don't know to look for that, you're going to bring it in the shop and they're going to kind of get a giggle out of you because yep. you had your foot on backwards. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a funny little mistake, but it's a mistake that happens. So, you know, take it lightheartedly. It's the same kind of thing as, you know, people pulling their kill switches out. And bringing the boat in, it won't start anymore. It won't start anymore. And you walk over to the side of the boat and you plug that red kill switch back in and fire it up and go, okay, well, I'll see you guys later. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's just a silly mistake. That's just it's just an oversight. And if you don't do it every day, of course you're going to miss stuff. Uh -huh. And even we do it. I mean, how many times do I leave my boat in gear? Or oh. Not really in gear, but in forward. And I go to start. And I'm like, why is my boat not starting? I'm like, oh yeah, I left it in forward when I pulled yep. into this bank here. Yep, oh. I, I did that three or four times when we were out Saturday. Yeah, uh, it, it just happens. You get too used to getting going that you just forget certain little things it's like right oh 
oh, you just look real quick and be like, oh, it's I'm not in neutral yet because of the neutral safety switch. Yeah, it's it's an easy little little tiny little mistakes. Yeah. yeah, tiny little, little mistakes. mistakes. Easy to fix without having to go to a shop. Yeah. So kind of my routine is, you know, if I ever have like a no start, no nothing situation, as I look down, first thing I look at is the gear shifter. Did I did I leave that in forward or reverse? Typically, that's the first thing, and then yes, I did. Mm-hmm. The next look I go down to is I look down at the kill switch. Yep. So I go from gear shift to kill switch because they're generally in the same close area. Sometimes they're attached to that, um, but they're all usually right there. So that's my second place I look. After that, then you can start thinking about other things, but typically it's one of those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, at least up at the helm area. Yeah. So we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm planning on doing a video about this. Probably the next time we go duck hunting, actually. Um, okay. win, winter, using these things in the winter. Oh, okay. So I know Mercury uh, specs. I can't remember Yamaha's, but they compete pretty heavily. So I would assume it's pretty close. Uh, Mercury says they're rated down to five degrees. To run down to five and five degrees is what they say you safely run their outboards at. Now we know you can go below that. Um, there's a few tips and tricks which we'll go over in the video on how to get your impeller drained out. And in, when I say impeller, this time I'm talking about your water pump impeller. Um, you still have, yeah, you still so have you have cools your engines. Yeah, the outboard jets they do not pick up water from the main impeller that drives the boat. Um, they can't build enough pressure in the pumps. Um, part of those inefficient things we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So they have a separate rubber water pump impeller, just like or cooling water pump impeller, sea water pump impeller, however you know it. That's what it is. Yep. Um, so they have a separate one of those, and if you don't pay attention, those can gather up water and freeze when you're out there. And then you have a whole host of problems out there because it's very hard to get those things to thaw. And if you start them up, it could just rip those veins right off the rubber. Um, so a couple like little tips when you're running them cold is keep your motor tilted down. That was the number one rule I told you, Brock, yep. when we went yep. out there. Um, you got to keep your motor tilted down in the water. Um, that way it can't freeze because it's submerged. Uh, shift linkage. Tell them about your shift linkage. Oh, shift linkage, man. The first weekend when I took my boat out just by me, you know, it was... It was, uh, I was go. we went out and, you know, I was worrying about the motor because of how cold it was. And my first thought was, you know, just pick it up out of the water Mm -hmm. just so I wouldn't have to worry because it was, with it being up, it'll drain out the water. Right. But it's with what little water condensation that's in there or whatever, it could still freeze. Yep. But with the shift linkage on jets, the shift cable is in the water. The shift cable freezes. Well, I will say stuck. partially. Partially. Because I even had a little freeze up yesterday until water hit my shift linkers and washed off a little bit of ice that was on the... Because it was basically the tip of the end where the rod pushes in and out of the cable. Oh, yeah. Just that little... Uh, mine sticks out just a little bit and that froze up just a little bit. But, but that's pretty easy to break free compared to your actual linkage down on... You freeze your linkage down on the housing and you hard freeze it. Now, we're talking like when we went out the other day, we're talking it was, what, 12 degrees? Uh-huh, 12 so degrees of that morning, yeah. It, it's cold. I mean, we're in Idaho, and it's only going to get colder. We'll, we'll run our boats below 5 degrees. Oh, It'll yeah. just it, It's a given. I mean, it's going to happen, especially in early morning stuff and everything. Oh, yeah. So anyway, you can go back to what you're talking about with the freezing issue and stuff. But well, and Yeah, it just it, it, it locks you in place. You can't – you you you'll be stuck in forward, reverse, or neutral. Yep. Yeah. You, you know, you'll be able to start your motor, but you'll be able to you, – you won't be able to go anywhere. So how would we – so you're, you're out there – your your linkage is sticking a little bit out of the water because it's not quite submerged and it freezes up solid. How do you how do you unfreeze it? <laughs> best way to do the best thing that comes to my mind, you know, is just have a little torch with you. That's, yeah, that's kind of I mean, what we discussed out. About it. Yeah, we've talked about it, but you know, we we haven't had a major problem with that yet. Yeah. But we're definitely going to start having a torch with us because yeah because you make a mistake and it's sticking out at all, it's going to freeze and it's going to freeze solid. Oh yeah, uh, drain plugs. 
Oh, man. So either way, it's bad. The, 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 we'll talk about the difference of the drain plugs on the 20 versus the 18. One of the, like, this is the biggest pet peeve about my boat. I love my boat. But okay. those damn drain plugs. So G3, they do, what do, what do they call it? What is the official name for the drain plugs? On which one? My boat? Yeah. So on the 18, they call them tail and bales. So tail and bales. So basically, they attach it via cable inside the boat and rivet. Mm-hmm. It, the cable comes out the back of the, where the drain plug hole, and then the drain plug dangles behind it. And you got two drain, drain plugs on these boats, one on each side. Yep. And, you know, the 18G, that way you can all – of, all of the G3 lines, that's kind of how they – at least the John boats. Yeah, you can do everything out of the back of the boat. You don't have to get in the boat. Yep. You can they, just... it's all, and they all are cabled, held on, so you can disconnect them, and they're always going to be hanging there, and you're not going to lose them. It's not like you can't yep. forget them. You walk around the back of the boat, and you have your drain plug hanging a couple inches off the back of your boat, and you're like, oh, I better put that in before I back yep. in. Another way of not so making it so you don't forget to put in your yeah. drain plug. And your, yours are the screw-type yep. rubber Drain plugs. So yeah. as you twist them tighter, the rubber expands and plugs it closed. So what did you deal with on Saturday morning? So yeah, Saturday morning, you know, Friday, Friday, I don't have a cover for mine yet. So mine sat outside all week and got snowed in. Mine just got, what was it, about a foot? Probably about a foot of snow. <laughs> a foot of snow. And well, yeah, Friday, Friday morning, I decided, you know, I'm going to pull out the old hot seat, turn on some hot water, you know, go out and just pressure wash and melt the snow off. And then left it outside all day. Mm-hmm. I had things frozen like crazy. Saturday was a it was a rough day. So the water actually trailed down that cable and like froze your drain plugs up really bad, right? Oh yeah, from water from it trying to drain out, all the water went to the back of the boat, trying to drain out. While the water would drain out the boat down the cable and go onto the uh, dra- the plug itself, and it made the plug two times the size of what it was supposed yep. to be. So I'm sitting there. Five o'clock. You were still o'clock. doing it when I pulled in. You yeah. got there, what, 20 minutes before I did? Yep. So, like, six o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting there trying to smack this drain plug on the bottom of the boat, trying to just, like, break the ice off of it because there's no other way to break it off. And then it's also frozen coming out of the boat. Yeah. So, we'll talk about mine. And uh, so, mine are using a rubber drain plug screw style with a flip tab, but mine are wired on the inside. And so I had to put them in from the inside of the boat to the outside. And uh, so basically what happened with mine was I do have a cover for my boat. And of course we had thaw and then froze up, broke, basically froze up in the bottom of my boat. My drain plugs were frozen to the bottom of my boat in about an inch of water. And basically had to chip it out. Took probably an extra 20 minutes to get all that chipped out and... It was it was a big pain. That is not it is not my favorite drain plug style to have on the inside of the boat. So I'm actually going to change it and do the same style that Brock has, um, and then we'll just go from there and fix it and everything. But outside of that, I mean, the, the boats have been just absolutely awesome. And now we got phones ringing, so it's getting that time. And so. The drain plug thing, pet peeve. The thickness of the metal, it's not a deal breaker, but it would be nice to see a thicker boat for up here. A uh, full windshield boat would be cool, like in a 20. A full windshield boat would be awesome. Um, talking about the temperatures, we're talking about a full windshield that has like a canopy would be pretty cool. Be able to get the shallow water and everything. Kind of talking about future things, Brock had to run out here and talk to a customer, so we'll be back in a second. But 
Uh, a couple of things that are upcoming for YouTube. I'll go ahead and pull that up right now. Um, gonna film my wife and I elk hunting, which I talked about last time. We haven't found them yet, but we found the herd yesterday. So we'll get that filmed and see what we can do there with a video. Um, depending on what happens. I can't, you know, you never know filming what could happen. The camera could die, whatever could happen. And then it's a world of hurt. Um, we're going to be archery deer hunting on the 20th. So that's Sunday of next week. We're going to film that. We'll actually be in a blind, so it'll be easier to film. Uh, so I want to bring those videos to you. Brock and I are going to work on course duck hunting videos and everything while we're out there. We're trying to get our boat set up. And when you're in this kind of cold, it's hard to keep cameras going. Oh, man. That's... They die pretty fast. Um, Brock... You still picking up a GoPro? Yeah, I'm still ordering. Okay. One, yeah. So it's, it sounds like we'll be getting another week. GoPro that we'll have around. Um, we'll find a way. What do we have to carry? Like a motorcycle battery or something to run constant power to them. There's the juice boxes and stuff, the lithium power packs, but they don't last long either when it's cold. So you got to kind of have battery. We could run them on our boats, but if our boats are parked far away. Yeah. Then we run into an issue there. Yeah. We're catching film, so. I mean, like the one. What was it? not this last weekend that just happened the weekend before you know we went we went duck hunting and we were lucky enough to have the boats in a perfect spot we got so some pretty decent shots of some ducks diving into our decoys but mm. that was one of the times that our boats were able to be pretty close to us and be be able to be cover our spread so we could have a camera yeah but where we're parking a boat around the corner from us so we, they're not birds aren't seeing it and getting flared off by them yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to keep camera somewhere close in yeah. the boat so that you can keep them plugged into the battery all, all time. Yeah, so I'll have to figure out some kind of battery, like backpack system or something. We can run two USB out of and then run them. I think that'd be the better way to go. These guys hunting in the Midwest that are filming these you know duck hunts and stuff, and we're not a duck hunting channel. Nope. I mean, we're kind of an everything channel, um, but we're really focused on, obviously, the gear. So we're going to talk, you're gonna, especially the boat world, I and mean, that's where we're both in. So... If you have questions about boats, this is this is the place. I mean, oh, yeah. other people don't know about this internal type dealership stuff. And a lot of times they don't even know how to service their boats or anything. Nope. So that's stuff we can talk and walk you through. Just like our installing Bearing Buddy video. Bearing Buddies are so much more reliable. And so to put those on and people were like, oh, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? So we made a quick video. It took us oh, okay. 10 minutes and we had a video and new Bearing Buddies on Brock's boat. And then, it, you know, it's easy. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff we're bringing to you. And then we'll just show you using our stuff. And we use it duck hunting, deer hunting, and everything else. Oh. So we'll, we'll also be using my boat for the archery deer hunt that we have coming up. So you'll see it in there too. Yeah. Um, the access place people can't get to. Okay. And that's on the hunting side. And I'm just excited for, I got my boat. Oh, next spring. I've got my boat pretty late in the year, but dude, I'm ready for fishing season. Well, even streamer fishing. Like once, once, once like the real hunting season ends. And so basically what we have until mm -hmm. January. Pretty much, yeah, January. And then the river is going to lock up with ice. Oh yeah. At least for the month of February. So we're going to lose a month. Yeah. And then after February, and we probably don't want to be out in February anyway, because that's when that's like negative 20, 25. Yeah. That's when it gets really cold. And yeah, I got a little one on the way. So yeah, and Brock's having a baby in February, so. February's going to be an interesting month. Both of us have babies. We're really busy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we got that. So, but once spring opens up, it'll be pedal to the metal, and we'll have these boats out. We'll use, you know, my boat, his boat, back and forth. We'll use his boat as a film boat. Um, hopefully, if we can find someone that we can have in there and doing that. Problem is we need someone that doesn't like to, that likes hunting and fishing, but doesn't have to do it and likes filming more. We need that person. Because <laughs> you get someone that likes hunting and fishing too much, they just want to fish and hunt the entire time. Yeah. So. yeah, I, I see, you know, just coming into it with you and all that, seeing the, I'm doing more fishing and you're sitting there, you've got more worry of setting up cameras, getting the right angles, you know, making yeah. sure everything's, 
set that way to get good video and i'm just over here fishing it's like yeah and we need more cameras we need more camera yeah, angles to really bring a viewer experience that's worth it so we're working on that so you know the, the videos on my channel have i've tapered them off um i'll still put things out there like these hunts and stuff that i'm filming i'll still do shorts to kind of show you what we're doing um but i'm really like thinking about next spring and then as we get next spring i'm gonna start cranking them out i think i'm gonna move to one video a month instead of one video a week and give you guys a really good video once a month and then and kind of just give little shorts little keep, shorts in between to keep things going like this is what we're doing so you'll kind of see like a pre-snapshot of what is coming yeah. and then bam and a really nice produced video that's you know anybody anything from 30 to 30 minutes to like an hour and a half it's kind of where i want to be like basically tv show to movie time frame um, oh yeah that makes sense and then you know if we if there's some comes up like hey you know this on the camper someone wants to know something on the camper or this you know on the boats um i'll produce a short video for that and give you like a two, three minute video is showing you how to do that. And yeah. we'll do that. And now we'll open up more of our time to do this. The podcast is going to be every other week for now until I really kind of get content going and stuff and really get thoughts and ideas down. And then we'll move it to where it's once a week. I think the podcast is going to be the dominant once a week thing. Okay. So as we get set up with a studio and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But we're just not that set up yet. So as we get there, it'll, it'll get better. Yeah. Oh. Anything else about G3 Boats you can think of before we get off here? We, we kind of covered the basics and everything. I mean, obviously, post your questions. You can send them to uh, – you can jump on my YouTube and comment on there. We can get back to you. Um, that's great. I think you can comment on here too, at least on Apple you can. So um, you can comment and ask questions, and we'll get back to them, and we'll address them you know, in the next podcast or whatever we have to. So, yeah. the, more, um, the more questions we have, the more we can address, the more we can have information for you guys. That's, yep. Yeah, because we do this every day. I mean, we're in the dealership world, so we – and we're not just in the dealership world. We see that side too, but we use our boats too. Brock's got an 18 now. I got a 20. We use these boats like fire, and we're out there a lot. So we see a lot of the things come up and everything. So, oh, yeah. all right. Well, there's nothing else, and we'll just end this podcast now, and we'll wait for the other one in a couple weeks. Oh, so yeah. can't wait to have you guys all back soon. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to today's podcast. We'd like to take a quick moment and thank our sponsors. Monic Fly Lines. Did you know that there is an American-made PVC-free fly line? Monic Fly Lines from Boulder, Colorado has all the lines you need and is offering 10% off to any of my listeners. Use NextGen Marine 10 at checkout. Corker's Wading Boots. With soles that can be changed for traction demands, look no further than Corker's Wading Boots. I've fished mine all summer long, and all I can say is with a retention system that's both fast and reliable, Corker's are sure to keep your feet under you on any river. Find the links below, guys. Thanks for listening.